There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by the scrubby piece of paper I'm holding. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin, joined as always by... Joe. And... Steve. Um, we're gonna... Not even close to solve a mystery. We're just gonna talk about a mystery tonight. Yeah, well, I'd say it's probably right. Talk. We'll solve it. Don't no, worry. we're not gonna solve it. We're gonna talk about it. The topic tonight is the death of Kurt Cobain... I'm not going to go any further than this before I stop and say, if you suggested this as a listener, you're not going to hear your name read because there are too dang many of you. Yeah, this one's a pretty popular request. Yeah, like a lot of people all the time. Like literally since we started the podcast, actually, we've been getting suggestions for this. So finally, we decided to tackle it. And actually, it was because I recently took a trip to Seattle we uh, went to the Experience Music Project Museum, which is up in Seattle. What is that again? It's a museum that's dedicated to music and pop culture. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard of it before, so that's why. I... It's freaking awesome. We used to go there when I was a kid, and like you can like play on instruments and all that stuff. And um, along with the Hello Kitty exhibit that I tweeted some pictures of <laughs> while we were there. There is one, really? Um Yeah, there was one, yeah. Seriously, wow. Um, there was also, I didn't know that, but there was also an ex 
exhibit, not exhibition, exhibit um, about Nirvana. And they had all of the, they had a bunch of Cobain's clothes and some memorabilia and like letters that he wrote and Polaroids and all that stuff. No and wax it, replica. No wax replicas. Like, no, no, it was very tastefully done. <laughs> um, and I guess I just started to think about that whole, you know, you don't think about uh, people as people a lot right? Celebrities, you don't really think about that so much. But I started to think about it and then I started to think about his death and then I just decided we should do an episode on it. Cool. So that's the long preamble. You know, one, one thing that in, in uh, doing a little research on this is I'm amazed at how long it's been since he died. It doesn't seem that 22 94. years. Yeah. yeah. It seems like a long time because I remember it. Yeah, I remember yeah. it too, but it just didn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah, because it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Joe, that's because yeah. we're old. You guys oh, are. Is that old. what it is? Okay. Yeah. yeah time yeah. does fly. I, I don't remember it because I was too young to remember it, but I was alive at least. So there's that. Um, and then, as an additional preamble to this, this is a huge, huge case. Like, huge. Lots mm -hmm. of research has been done on it. And that's oh, not to yeah. say that the rest of the cases we do are not huge, but this one is, is extra huge. And I just want to remind anybody or let people know if they don't know, um, our podcast is intended as a primer course or an overview of cases. So there are going to be things that we're going to gloss over or we're going to omit or that we won't include in the episode. And that's just how it is. I'm sorry. No, we'll get the important stuff. In we, there, I mean, worry. I think we do usually get the important stuff, but... Uh, if your only point of context for this is like the soaked in bleach documentary on Netflix, or it's only Curtin Courtney, um, also on Netflix, or it's only, or you've never heard of it. I encourage you to do more research because this is not, ev this isn't everything. It's just There's not. a ton of There's content. There's a ton out there. I mean, it's, it's a celebrity. So therefore the story is on the scale of reflective of the scale of that celebrity and so that's that's why there's so much out there yeah, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i just wanted to remind people before we get into it there we're gonna miss things sorry but we're gonna miss things i don't think we must need any important things i don't think so either but i'm sure that i mean you know everybody has their favorite detail mm -hmm. so we might miss it and i'm sorry if we do but we probably know that we did okay okay cool sweet belabored that point long enough you did all right. So uh, first off, like we did with Bob Marley, I'd like to assume that everybody knows who Kurt Cobain is, but I guess I probably can't. Do you you guys remember the 90s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember some of the 90s. And there was, especially, especially in the Pacific Northwest, the 90s grunge era was taking effect. Oh, yeah. And a yeah. large part of that was in thanks to a band called Nirvana. I'm wearing plaid. You are. Green plaid. You are. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, I'm not actually impressed. You wear plaid frequently, but <laughs> thanks. You're welcome. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, but you guys know Nirvana. You know Nirvana. You yeah. just, you oh, do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you, if you think you don't know who Nirvana is, just pause this episode and go look up Nirvana and like, just listen to any song that comes up and you will recognize Nirvana. I was really surprised though when I was doing the research, I didn't realize they'd only put out three albums for yeah. as big as they were. Yeah. For some reason in my mind, I, it was, I figured it was a half dozen. Well, it's, that's the interesting part, right? They became so ubiquitous so fast mm -hmm. it was just really it was insane i mean as soon as the radio picked up smells like teen spirit they just became they huge. were in. and almost every song off of their albums were hits uh -huh. you know it wasn't like one of those albums you pick up now where you recognize one song it was just all of them are popular songs so kurt cobain was the front man for nirvana 
And there's a ton of history in the band, and I won't go into it, but you should probably look it up because bands and music are interesting and awesome. Cobain was, I'm not making this up, this is an actual quote. Um, he was called, quote, the spokesman of a generation. Which generation? Gen, Gen X. X. Okay. Generation. Gen X, Thank yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he and Nirvana rose quickly in popularity, as we were mentioning, and Nirvana to this day is regarded as one of the most influential and important rock bands of the modern era. That's, I mean, I, I know that sounds like a bold statement, no, they're pretty but it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's possible you also know of Dave Grohl or at very least the Foo Fighters. Again. Yeah, you do go look it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. I totally had spaced that out mm-hmm. when I was doing the reading. Mm-hmm. Why is his name all over the stuff? Oh yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cobain, huge influence on music. Pretty much everything that is modern rock. I said it. Deal with it. (laughs) Um, We're going to get a lot of emails. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. We're going to get a lot of emails regardless. Regardless. Yeah. And actually, I guess, so before we go too far into the mystery, the mystery is that uh, Kurt Cobain committed suicide on April 5th, 1994 at the age of 27 Arguably at the height of his career. I mean, Just you know, beginning he it, could really. have, yeah, he could have. Putting him into the 27 Club. Yeah, he was part of the 27 Club. Um, but a lot of people think that uh, he was not actually, he was actually murdered. He was, didn't actually kill himself. So that's our mm-hmm. mystery. Did Kurt Cobain commit suicide or not? And if I really have to say it, it's a suicide story. So if that's a thing that bothers you, stop now. Yeah. Okay. Suicide bothers me, so I'm going to go. Okay. Yeah, see you. Bye. Steve, you ready? Yeah. Great. Uh, let's go back to important characters. Let's start with that, right? In um, January of 1990, Kurt met Portland local and front woman for the band uh, that I, I think it's safe to say most people haven't actually heard of called Hole. Um, and her name was Courtney Love. Did Hole really form in 90? I thought they formed later. No, no, no. Hole was... I'm I'm sorry. I'm just saying Hole, like, that's where you would know Courtney Love from. Oh, okay. But Not Hull, that the band formed in 90. I think they were I think, by I, then. I, think, I think, you know, they... I think it was later on that they were starting to, like, get bigger. Maybe. Okay. But and I, that I might they, be I where I... I think they had been around since okay. you know, yeah. 90 or maybe even earlier than that. Also, it's unfair to say that nobody's heard of Hole. You've probably heard Hole songs. You just don't know it. It was a joke. I'm sorry. I'm also, it's also not 100% sure that that's where they met, but it doesn't really matter. They probably met in Portland. I know he played a lot of gigs in Portland. Yeah. Back in the day. Well, they were from Seattle. Yeah. 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 Courtney Love is probably uh, like one of the most ridiculed celebrities of all times ever, I would say. Yeah. Uh, She has habitually abused drugs and alcohol. She has had lots of legal trouble as well. A few months after Cobain's death, Love actually punched someone at Lollapalooza, which started a string of arrests. Um, and she was banned from a lot of places, including Virgin Airlines, like the entire airline. She was no longer allowed to fly with them. How'd she manage to do that? Uh, she assaulted a stewardess. Oh, okay. Yeah. In a typical Courtney Love fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say this, that despite her substance abuse problems prior to Cobain's death, it seems that her problems Her legal were, problems? Her legal problems, at least, were really spurred by his death. She didn't really have many legal problems before he died. Uh, yeah, and that, you know, she wasn't arrested or anything like that. They seemed like a pretty normal couple, you know, as normal as you can be in the <laughs> famous 90s grunge era. Uh, they got married in February of 92, 
Love wore a lace and satin wedding dress and Cobain wore green pajamas. A nice touch. Yeah. And um, Love was pregnant at the time when they were married and she gave birth to their only child whose name is Francis Bean in August of 1992. Did either of you guys look at pictures of Francis? I think she's beautiful. She, I was really surprised at how much she looked like her mom. Yeah. I, for, for some reason, this is dumb, but I expected her to look more like her father. Yeah. And it was shocking mm-hmm. to see a sober version or clean version yeah. of Courtney. She has, she has Kurt's eyes though. Yeah. I would say, I, uh, really, really piercing blue eyes. Yeah, what's the old Francis up to these days anyway? She's an artist. Oh. She's getting yeah. a, vor- a divorce. Oh, really? She is. She's getting divorced. Got it. Yeah. Tom Grant is another uh, important player in this whole thing. Most of the time, you'll hear Grant referred to as an exemplary man, at least definitely in uh, his own documentaries. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a detective in L.A., and then he retired and became a private detective. Definitely been the loudest proponent of the Cobain murder theory. Mm-hmm. He was hired by Love on April 3rd, 1994, after Cobain escaped from a rehab facility in L.A. on March 31st. And we're, we're going to talk about the whole series of events in a minute. So Yeah, this wait, is really just, just for a cast of characters you're yeah, going through. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the important people so that when we're going through, I don't have to pause to say yep. all that stuff. Grant uh, almost immediately started recording almost literally every conversation and event that happened around this case. He's, I mean, he's thousands of hours of recordings and many of the conversations that he taped were with a woman by the name of Rosemary Carroll, who is slash was the entertainment lawyer for uh, Courtney and Kurt both. The interesting thing about Rosemary Carroll is that in recordings, she very clearly agrees with Grant about most of his theories, but refuses to go on the record of any kind to say those things. In fact, in one of the recordings, you can hear her agreeing with Grant, and then uh, she goes, wait, are you recording? And he says, I record everything. And she goes, you can't do that. Stop. And he stops the recording. She says a couple other words that I that we don't say on our podcast. Oh, when she discovers that she's being, that she's recorded. being recorded. Yes, she yeah. does say a few mm-hmm, choice a few words. Other things. Yeah. Um, this might confuse people, her refusal to go on the record, but I, it doesn't really confuse me that much. Courtney Love is still her client. She's a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Um, and her firm represents people like Jay-Z, for instance. It's a big firm of big talent and you, you can't go around accusing your clients of murder in the public (laughs) if you want to retain any of your clients. Uh Or to have any in the future. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. It, yeah, who knows? Maybe you can even be disbarred for saying stuff like that. It seems like you probably could. Yeah. I don't really know. Anyway, so you'll hear that tossed around a lot, but I just want to go on the record as saying it doesn't really bother me that much that she won't go on the record. Okay, those are the big ones. Big three with a couple extra. Well, there's a few other there. guys in there, like But we'll Dylan, talk about you know. those, yeah. Talk about those when we get there. Timeline? Let's talk about timeline. All right. All right. We're just going to do a series of events here. And we're actually going to start a little earlier than April. We're going to start in early March of 1994. In Germany, um, sorry, Nirvana was on tour in Europe, I should say. And in Germany, Cobain was diagnosed with bronchitis and severe laryngitis. 
Makes it kind of tough to sing. It does, yeah. So Even when, you know, sometimes his singing was more screaming, but it's still tough to do. Still, like, you just can't do it. I mean, you have to be able to produce noise. Yes. That doesn't really work if you've got laryngitis or bronchitis. That's why you just whack the mic on things. <laughs> Makes noise. It yeah. does. I don't think it's really Nirvana style, but maybe. Oh, yeah, you get a point. Yeah. It was more the guitars smashing than anything. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. As you can imagine, um, Kurt decided to get treatment for the said bronchitis and laryngitis. So he flew to Rome for treatment because why not? If you have a lot of money, you may as well go to Rome for treatment instead of staying in Germany. I, I don't suppose. know. Probably much nicer. Well, it, actually, it turns out that Courtney Love... I'm going to try to refer to people by their last names, but um, I might forget. But Love really, really likes Roman history. So I suspect there might have been something there that he thought, oh, well, maybe she'll come with me if I go hang out in Rome or that's, something like that. Yeah, you know what? I heard about that, heard that about her. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that's, that's kind of surprised me. Yeah. It yeah. really it was surprising to me, yeah. too. You're not yeah. the only one, Joe. Yeah. I did not imagine that. There is a side to Courtney Love mm-hmm. that we didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Courtney Love did join him in Rome, in fact, and on March 3rd. Cobain had, according to Love, gone all out. He'd gotten her flowers. He had champagne ready. He was basically like super cute, excited, and romantic. He even apparently got her a piece of the Colosseum because apparently, you know, she loves Roman history. So he went down to the Colosseum with his hammer and yeah, chisel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that stuff, man. They oh, do. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably isn't actually from the Colosseum. Shh. Okay, sorry. When she arrived. Uh, Love says they opened the champagne and she popped a Valium because stress, I guess. And uh, they made out a little bit and then she fell asleep. What a horrible day. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that would upset me. Well, it would. (laughs) But but didn't she fly in from the States? Yeah. Wouldn't she have like horrible jet lag in in addition to. It depends on when she. Oh, you mean that so she would have fallen asleep anyway because she would have been really, really tired? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on when she flew. But yeah, I mean, Valium will knock you out. It will. And so I don't know what, why she did that. I would be annoyed if my wife, husband, showed up in Rome and I hadn't seen him for a long time and. You know, I was being really romantic, and then he was just like, okay, bye, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be annoyed. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So around 4 a.m., she woke up uh, from her Valium-induced coma, apparently, to find Cobain passed out on the floor, and he was rushed to the hospital. He had apparently um, overdosed on Rohypnol, which you probably know as Rufi's, which there aren't actually intended for like date rape stuff. They're actually just sleep aids. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was love's prescription that he had, he had taken some of her pills and she very famously says that there were like fifth that he had taken like 50 pills. I want to know why the heck she had 50 of them on her. Well, I mean, why not? I mean, what, what do you usually get as a prescription of something? Yeah. 25, 50. Yeah. yeah I, mm-hmm. I think that 50 is a, an excessive number is just well, what I'm saying. Also, she was drug addict. So. Yeah, she, I, had good, she had good drug addict. <laughs> she so did she have good connections. Everything in quantity. Yeah. yeah, but the overdose was so bad that Cobain was actually in a coma, and I I can't tell from the reporting on this if he was in a coma for five days or he was just actually in the hospital for five days. I also can't tell if he was actually in a coma or he was just unconscious, but. Like short duration in a coma Mm -hmm. and then was He was definitely in the hospital for five days. Yeah. No matter what was happening in the hospital, he was there. You'll hear this referred to as Cobain's first suicide attempt, 
But it's really important to delineate here that no one at the time, doctors included, thought that it was a suicide attempt. Everybody classified it as a totally accidental overdose, and nobody thought it was a suicide attempt. No, it wasn't until she reclassified it. Wasn't it wasn't until Cobain died that it started being referred to as a suicide attempt. Yep. That's important. Yep. Yeah. There's also some speculation that uh, the reason that Cobain had so many roofies in his system is that uh, Love put a bunch of pills in his champagne, and so he was unknowingly drinking roofies as well as taking roofies. I don't know really... if I believe that or not, especially since I don't know how much he had in his body. I was going to say, well, we don't know any dosages. No. Well, it also doesn't make any consumers. sense. I mean, mm-hmm. if she wanted to kill him, then why would she, why would she rush him to the hospital? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's my, big, my other big thing with saying, oh, she was trying to kill him. That was her first try. It was like, no, because she would not have called an ambulance. She would have taken another value and gone back to bed. She would have waited, yeah. And then she could have come to and been like, oh my God, I woke up at nine o'clock this morning and he was dead. Exactly. Anyway, I don't believe that this was a murder or suicide attempt. I believe it was totally just an accidental overdose. But um, that's just my, like, opinion, man. Yeah. Cobain and Love returned to Seattle after he spent five days in the hospital in Rome. Which uh, I'm just now realizing I never said is where they lived. They lived in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, yeah, they had a nice owned a house. house there. It was a nice little house, yeah. It wasn't little. No. no it's nice. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, yeah. I didn't mean actually little. It's it's nice, not, that nice was house. Uh, actually for as wealthy as they were, though, you know, it was actually more modest than a lot of rock stars would live in. And, yeah. You know, but still a pretty big house. Seattle is not known for, uh, unlike places like L.A. for having that many huge, lavish homes yeah. at that time. Now, yeah. that's not yeah. to say that's the case now, but at that time, they weren't as many giant, sprawling, gold-encrusted homes. Yeah. 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 On March 18th, Love called the police, claiming that Cobain was suicidal and had locked himself in a room with a gun. The police came. They confiscated the guns and some pills. Um, but when they asked Cobain why he was behaving that way, he said he wasn't suicidal at all, but he was hiding from, um, Courtney. (laughs) And this is actually in the literal police report. I don't know if you guys saw that link that I posted, but it literally says that in the police report that he was scared of Courtney and he was hiding from her with a gun in the room. I, I have heard the stuff that has come out of that woman's mouth before, and I would have hid in the bathroom too, because she's a little... Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at well, times. Well, he was a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, too, at some times. Yeah. I mean, there are some recordings of him threatening... Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying that he was stable. Yeah. I'm saying she is definitely unstable. Definitely unstable, yeah. So, again, you'll hear that also referred to as a suicide attempt. Obviously, it was not, given that the police report proves that it was not. Or, I mean, at the very least, that he was aware enough to say, no, it's not. I don't really know. Again... I don't think he was trying to kill himself at that moment either, but there you go. On March 25th, Love staged an intervention with 10 of uh, Cobain's friends and some record executives, which I think is pretty funny. We we did mention that he was a a heroin addict, right? Oh, probably not. No, we haven't actually mentioned that specific. Thank you for pointing that out. This is one of those instances where you get so caught up in the case, you forget to say things that seem really obvious to you. That are so basic. Totally basic. Uh Totally important. Yeah. Uh, Both Courtney and Kurt were 
really, really heavy heroin users throughout the entire duration of their relationship. And prior to. And prior to. In fact, um, it, I think it was Courtney that said it was drugs that brought them together. I think, yeah. That was yeah. their major shared interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he was a heavy, 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 heavy heroin user. So was she. They both used a lot of drugs. Yeah. They And, in fact, there's a lot of stuff out there talking about how Cobain embraced his identity as a drug addict. That was, like, attractive to him that he was doing drugs. Mm-hmm. So take that as you will. For those of you familiar with the case, Dylan Carlson was at the intervention. I am consciously omitting a lot of stuff that you will see about Dylan around on the internet about this case. Okay. Because I just think that they're not even a little suspicious the way he was acting. And I think that it adds a lot of fluff to the case to discuss Dylan as some nefarious character. Yeah, I don't um, think he was all that nefarious. And by the way, yeah. just to, for those of you who aren't aware of the case, Dylan Carlson was a childhood friend of Kurt Cobain's. Mm-hmm. They were they were best friends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, they did drugs together. Did drugs together. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He was totally yeah. heroin user. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's, that is uh, the only reason I'm not opposed to not bringing him up every 10 seconds, like it, uh, some of the places that you'll read about this story does, is because he was also a junkie and his behavior is very very um typical the things that he says and the way that he acts so it's there's i i can't see putting a lot of faith into the guy yeah i don't think it's suspicious if you want to know what we're kind of talking about again we're kind of talking about soaked in bleach and the way that they portray dylan carlson as well as tom grant um the way he portrays dylan as kind of a seedy nefarious guy mm-hmm. in this whole thing he was in he was colluding with them. yeah so yeah. i'm not gonna bring him up every 10 seconds like a lot of people do when they talk about this case and i just wanted to bring that up now i'll bring him up when it's important like again in a couple minutes but it's not important <laughs> okay. right now okay so after a rough start likely cobain laughing in courtney's face <laughs> right probably because like i can't imagine that she was sober during this whole thing saying you need to go to rehab and i'm gonna go with you but i'm not gonna do the inpatient thing i'm gonna stay in a hotel and you go be in that other obviously she's calling saying the that. kettle black yeah yeah, yeah. But, but it was her idea right it was her idea for the intervention um and after a rough start as i said they eventually did convince cobain that he should go to rehab yeah you got a daughter so, now, right dude yeah, yeah, and, you know... responsibilities. Yeah, 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 exactly. But what I want to know is, why did they have to go all the way to L.A. for rehab? I think it's probably one of the best. It probably also caters to celebrities. I was mm. going to say, it's their status is most likely. You don't yeah, go to to the local... To the methadone clinic down the street. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or yeah. method one, as the case may be. Uh, <laughs> sorry, joking. Okay, so Love and Cobain agreed to go to this one in L.A., right? And as I vaguely mentioned, Cobain was going to stay. It was a facility you were supposed to stay in. It was supposed to be an inpatient detox, which makes sense for heavy drug users. You would want to monitor literally everything you do. Kind of lock them up for a few days. Yeah. 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 But apparently, um, Courtney was staying in a hotel, maybe even with her drug dealer at the, for uh-huh. her treat, quote-unquote treatment. Yeah, she, Any, she never seemed to take. She didn't seem to uh, cleaning take it seriously. up. Yeah, seriously. I mean, she did eventually clean up, and she's fallen off the wagon quite a few mm-hmm. times. Some of them very famously, but yeah. this is yeah. one of those times where I don't think she was 
taking it seriously yeah, at all. I would agree with that. I think, and these days, uh, you know, you guys have probably noticed that she's really tried to clean up her image also. Her whole style has changed. She's trying very hard. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, she's not always gone about it so well. Did you see that roast she was on a couple of years ago? No. <laughs> no. Oh, she was on some celebrity roast, and she's like, I am so clean, and I haven't done anything in so long. And it is so obvious that, that she, she is blasted mm-hmm. and like a week and a half later she went into another program because the entire internet was like you're lying <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i mean she she's trying she's she not is. always succeeding yeah. but she's trying well and here's what i'll admirable. say when i was doing research from this and we'll talk about some of the experts or people i talk to um when we start talking about theories but i did talk to some people who are ex-addicts who are listeners of our show mm-hmm. and they said you know, by and large, opiate addiction, heroin addiction is the hardest thing to kick. It's the thing you miss the most. That high is just like, it's almost impossible to kick for your entire life. And if you're around people who are doing it, you're probably going to start doing it again. That's Courtney's problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that she's surrounded by the wrong people. Right. Yeah. Whether that's intentional or not. Yeah. So she didn't really take this whole detox thing seriously, it sounds like. Um, neither did Kurt, I guess. Neither did Kurt. Yeah. Uh, and reports say that the facility in L.A. had, quote, no knowledge of his history of depression or previous suicide attempts, unquote, which is funny, again, because as far as I can tell, uh, he didn't have any suicide <laughs> attempts, um, but maybe he did. I don't know. He did have some history of depression, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah. I mean... We had some Let's medical issues that, that kind of drug him down and gave him an excuse for a lot of things. Yeah, but, um, although there's some, there's some discussion on about, that too. yeah, there's some speculation there. But I mean, like, really, who doesn't have a history of depression? You know, who doesn't have, who doesn't feel depressed when they're a teenager? You know, and it's not as though Kurt was that much, I mean, he was 27, but if you're living in a world where you're making music about feeling angry and mad and sad and doing a lot of drugs... That's probably just going to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On March 30th. This is five days after the intervention. Yes. Cobain goes with Dylan Carlson to buy a shotgun before leaving for rehab. Um, you'll remember that the police confiscated all of his guns, all yeah, of Cobain's guns. Yeah. Was he uh, under some sort of restraining order? Because I, I got the impression that Dylan Carlson bought the gun for him. He did. He wasn't under a restraining order. He told Dylan that he didn't want to buy a gun because he thought the police would find out and confiscate that one too. Oh, I got you. Given yeah. that it was registered under his name. After they just seized all, all of, of his, his weapons. Yeah. 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 So he asked Dylan to buy it for him um, because he actually he thought that it's it's unclear reports are either that he thought somebody was like breaking into his house or that um, a decision that he was about to make which I'll tell you about in a second he thought that people would be really angry and come attack him because he was going to cost people a lot of money retaliation retaliation yeah mm-hmm. um, and then uh, i understand this is a 20 gauge shotgun it's right? a 20 gauge shotgun with a barrel break at the end yeah muzzle break it's 20 gauge break, remington yeah. semi-auto mm-hmm. yeah but uh, semi-auto is important but that, mm-hmm. was, that was a funny thing too he's, he apparently he's, I, I heard it he said that he bought a 20 gauge because he thought he could shoot somebody with a 20 gauge and it wouldn't kill them mm-hmm. you know as opposed to a 12 gauge well and but isn't um is i thought i read somewhere that and you can correct me if i'm wrong because i may be that 20 gauges are popular for home protection because they won't go through a wall uh well you can shoot somebody and it won't go through a wall and hit somebody through a wall well it depends on that what kind of 
load you've got in it. If you've uh-huh. got a slug in it, it might punch its way through a wall. Uh-huh. Uh, or if or it's bird shot, bird shot, no. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why people, you know, for home defense, use mm-hmm. smaller pellets that won't go through a wall. Right. So yeah. that was my understanding was that it was optimal. You know, likely they went into the gun store and they said, what are you looking for? He said, well, I'm looking to defend my home. And they said, oh, this is an excellent option for that mm-hmm. here. Oh, definitely. You know um, what's even better than, uh, than bird pellet? Hmm. Just use rock salt. It, yeah. That doesn't That'll kill work. anybody, and that's it hurts true. like hell. Yeah, that's true. But they don't sell that. No, they do. You got to make your own. You yeah, gotta yeah. make your own. That's the one problem with it. Yeah. I wonder what it'd be like to be shot with rock salt. I don't want to know. I yeah. I have I have been told that it is extremely painful, and I don't want to ever find out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Dylan bought him bought Cobain this gun. Uh, I mentioned briefly that he thought maybe there would be some retaliation. It's because apparently Cobain had decided that Nirvana was not going to play Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Lollapalooza is a huge um, it's a giant music festival. festival. Yeah, and it yeah. was happening in Washington that year. And they were going to make... And they were going to make $9.2 million uh, in 1994. Um, that would have made his band base rather angry. And it sounds like he not only didn't want to play Lollapalooza, but in fact wanted to disband Nirvana and quit the music business entirely. So he seemed to be a bit nervous about that. He was scared of retaliation. And so those are the two reasons that are given as to why he felt like he needed a gun. But either way, he took the gun back to his house in Seattle. He left it there. And then he got on a plane to L.A., and uh, checked into the detox facility down in L.A. Exodus. Exodus, yeah. Exodus detox facility. Uh, he spent the day apparently talking to counselors about his drug use, his life in general. He t- he played with Frances, his daughter. Was she in rehab too? She was not. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> she came to visit him. And I think with the nanny, and I believe that the, they had a new nanny down in L.A. Because they did have this one live-in nanny named Callie. Well, he, yeah. was, he was still back up in he Seattle, He was still right? in Seattle, yeah. yeah. And they had apparently just, they had had a nanny leave them like a month before. They went through nannies like they toilet did. paper. They really did. But I think that this nanny's name was Elizabeth. Okay. That's my guess, given some other stuff. But I can't actually corroborate that, so sorry, guys, if I'm wrong. Also, of note, none of the counselors seemed concerned that he was a risk for self-harm or anything like that, which seems like the sort of thing you might be able to tell if somebody was really suicidal. Uh, I would imagine the counselors would be good at picking that up pretty quick, seems, yeah. Seems like it, but maybe I'm just ignorant. So you're not getting their fix of heroin and, and all that, and, mm-hmm. and, and their, their, their life probably sucks. Yeah. So he might have seemed depressed. He didn't. But probably most of the guys they bring in there were kind of down. Well, it didn't. You meet him on one of their worst days. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't actually seem like, it seemed like he was okay. I mean, obviously he was suffering from heroin withdrawal because, you know, and that it was, since he was a huge addict, that was, that was a big deal. Obviously it, it wasn't going to be hard. easy for him, but it sounds like the counselors thought he was dealing with it pretty well, all things considered. I mean, he was playing with his daughter and stuff. He wasn't this... like, he hadn't self-confined himself to his room or anything like that. It's, he seemed to be out kind of doing this whole stuff. 
Here's a question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer to this, and I don't know that I've ever read it anywhere. So five days prior to this, the intervention takes place, five or six days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we know, was he still using prior to arriving at the facility? You know, I would guess that he probably shot up, like, right before he got on the plane. (laughs) I would think so, too. Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) I'm I'm in the same boat here Mm -hmm. thinking that's probably the situation, but Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything. Yeah. So I guess that's possible. Possible. I, I think I see where you're going with this. I guess it's possible that he was still high. I mean, that he wasn't actually suffering from withdrawal yet. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's possible. Yeah. But he's, he's, I mean, he's still, you, you would think that people who are trained professionals in talking to people like counselors would at least have an inkling like, oh yeah, he did seem a little, a little upset about out something. There. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Call me crazy. I have. I know. Constantly. Okay, April, crazy. What's next? April 1st. Um, reports are that 13 calls are made from Love's hotel room to the facility <laughs> that Cobain was in. It's my understanding that he didn't actually speak to her. It was um, to the like public phone, basically. The pay phone? Yeah, the pay phone. The that, hallway phone That was available for be. all of the patients. They didn't actually speak. He may have spoke to her once, but that would be it. Um, and I'm unclear if he actually spoke to her once or if they're referring to the fact that he called the hotel and left a message for her. The message he left was, um, he left it with the front counter. The front counter? Yeah, the front counter. Front desk. Front desk. Front desk. Thank you. I don't know why it was the counter all of a sudden. Because she was staying at a convenience store, I Maybe. guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so the front desk, and he said, um, Elizabeth's phone number is this. Is the, uh, Sorry, there would be a phone number there where this was. That's That was his message. He gave her the phone number. He gave her the, the phone number. Yeah, and he said it was Elizabeth's phone number. So the, I think it's the nanny, but I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, nobody ever says who Elizabeth happens to be. Mm. I'm just assuming it's the nanny. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. Sometime during the first, Kurt jokes that it would be a really, really dumb thing to try to jump that six-foot wall back in the back of the facility. And then he um, does that, jump the wall in the back. Yeah. Uh, he was out for a cigarette break and just jumped the wall. He caught a cab, uh, went to LAX, and uh, gets on a flight to Seattle back home. That's funny. They didn't confiscate his credit cards or anything, huh? Yeah, they didn't. It's but this was not a forced facility. This no, was yeah, it was a, voluntary. This was a self voluntary, which yeah. is why yeah. I find it so weird that he took the time to jump the wall. If they're letting you hang on to your wallet and your smokes and all of that, then why wouldn't he just say, "I'm gonna go out the front door"? Yeah, I guess I'm done. My my guess would be that he was trying to hide it from people. I presume that if you check yourself out of rehab, they're probably going to call some people and say, hey, just so you know, Kurt checked himself out. And then those people are going to call the airport and maybe like, you know, run over to the airport and intercept you before you can get on that plane to or, Seattle. And so it's uh, yeah. more hassle-free if you slip just off over the black, back the, wall instead yeah. of you know, yeah. telling everybody about it. And telling I don't know. It's a theory. It's not a very good theory, but it's a theory. Yeah, I've only been in rehab a few times. And... <laughs> It just so happens that Kurt is sitting next to Duff McKagan, who you may know as the bassist for Guns N' Roses. Mm. Cobain and Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses uh, apparently had like a pretty big beef uh, involving Courtney Love, surprising no one. Didn't Axel have a beef with everybody? Kind of, yeah. There's like 12 of them or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. McKagan apparently reported that Cobain seemed really happy to see him. He later remarked that from, quote, all my instincts, that something was wrong, unquote. One of the things I... How well did he he know Cobain? 
they didn't really know each other that well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they, their bands weren't, they didn't interact that much. And, you know, the other thing I really struggle with on this one is McCagan was interviewed for a book in 2001. So that's one of those things, you know, many, many years later, really many years later. And you look back and you see one thing tiny, a little bit wrong. And you think, Oh, I should have known. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell if he actually felt that way at that time. And I'm not saying that he was like intentionally lying about that. I just mean that, you do that. You like every human your, does that. You go back and you reinterpret things. That oh, you yeah. Really you didn't people modify that, but, their yeah. memories unintentionally all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. April 2nd and 3rd, Cobain is, quote, spotted, unquote, around Seattle a number of times. I don't know what that means. It's literally never elaborated on. It's just like when Bigfoot is spotted. It kind of might be. Somebody yeah. saw him and they got mm-hmm. blurry footage. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. On April 3rd, Love hired Tom Grant to, quote-unquote, find Cobain. Who knows? I don't know if she knew where he was or anything like that. That's a big question mark in this whole case, but she hired him anyway. On April 4th, a police report is filed with Seattle police by, air quotes, Cobain's mother, unquote, stating that he was missing and suicidal. In actuality, um, Tom Grant does have recordings of Love admitting that she actually filed the report and said it was that she was Cobain's mom because, she, I don't know, she thought that people would pay more attention to it. I don't really know. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Question mark why she did that, but she did. On April 7th, Nirvana officially pulls out of Lollapalooza. As I said, they were slated to make a buttload of money. I'm sorry, I had the wrong number. It's 9.5, not $9.2 million. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll Lo- take the change. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Love claims that Hole had actually originally been offered that spot, but turned it down so that Cobain could perform. That seems unlikely. It sounds like bunk to me. Um, I'm sure that there would be a way to look that up to corroborate it, but frankly, I don't care enough. I don't think it matters enough to this yeah. case. Um, so I didn't really waste any time on doing that. If you happen <laughs> to know off the top of your head, please send us an email and I will re-record this entire episode for exactly. you. Exactly. Probably not. Sorry. For the change, we will. Yeah. The the point three million. Yeah. Change. For the yeah. point three million. Yeah. For the third of a million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> On April eighth, an electrician named Gary Smith, maybe that might not actually be his real name, was dispatched to the house to install to the to, sorry to uh, Cobain and Love's house in Seattle to install a security system. And here's a question I never see asked: Is uh, why? <laughs> I. I had the very same question. Of Why? What then? the deuce was he doing there? Yeah. Um, you know, did somebody call in the order for installation a couple weeks prior? Like, did Cobain call before he left for rehab, expecting it to be done when he came back? Or did somebody call them on April 8th or April 7th and say, hey, I need a thing installed. Can you come do that? Actually, you know what? Uh, I have, I'll bet you somebody did this well in advance. I was just thinking about the fact that you two know this. I recently had some electrical work done at my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was several weeks out, and this is in the tiny section of town, and my, my local electrician still was weeks away. So mm-hmm. I'm suddenly, as you're talking about, I'm like, oh, wait, it's you know tr- what? It's certainly possible. It makes total that... sense that they're like, okay, we'll be there uh, on the 8th. It's definitely possible that, you know, he 
that Cobain, you know, apparently reportedly he was worried about his safety in his home that he called as soon as he started being worried about safety in his home and said, actually, yes, I would like a security system installed. Yeah, well, it might have been actually right about when the police confiscated all of his guns. Could have been. Could have been Callie that called, too. It could have been anybody that yeah. made the call requesting the service. Yeah. But again, it's kind of one of those, like, why aren't people asking that question? Well, the question in my mind is... Um, why this guy shows up without calling ahead first to, to make sure there's going to be somebody there with keys to let him into places and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He just shows up. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was a little strange. Yeah. Of course, maybe he made the appointment. He assumed there was going to be somebody there. He gets there. There's nobody there. But he starts, you know, nosing around. Maybe he was knocking, he can't, on, well, I mean, maybe he was knocking on the door to see if there's somebody home. I don't worst know. case scenario, you show up. Nobody's there. You spend five minutes there. And electricians bill by the hour. So... I just build an hour worth of work. It's hard. I mean, again, it's the other question, I guess, is like, why was he poking around this greenhouse area? Well, he might have gone to the house first and gotten no response. And then, and then he goes, he spots this, what looks, what looks like a mother-in-law apartment yeah. over the garage. Yeah. And thinks, so I'll go up there and have a look-see. Yeah, we should probably... Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> uh, Smith walks around what they call the greenhouse, which is, it does look kind of like a mother-in-law apartment above the garage, which is separate from the house. Yeah, so it's not a greenhouse. I think there's a wall. No, I think there's a door from the house into the greenhouse from a defunct room. I don't know that it matters very much, but it's a separate building from the house, basically. He looks through a window because it is a greenhouse so it's all windows well, looks no, through a window door it's not a green it's not a greenhouse it's it a... Is... no i'm sorry it looks like a greenhouse because it's painted green on the outside no no, no there's green. windows there's lots of there's, skylights there's windows there's all lots over, but, of but don't call it a greenhouse because it's not actually a greenhouse it's it's part of the garage that happens to have a ton of windows in it okay that's fair yeah okay. yeah that's i mean fine. it's an apartment for for lack of a better term kind of yeah it's just one big room, though. So anyway, it doesn't really matter. Either way, it's this. They call it the greenhouse. Yes. So I'm going to keep calling it a greenhouse, which is fine. I just want to make sure that we understand it's not an actual greenhouse sitting on top of their garage. So he sees a body lying in the greenhouse with a small amount of blood near him. This, this is how he describes it. He apparently initially thought that Cobain was asleep, um, but he saw the gunshot and like a little bit of blood, or not the gunshot, the, I'm shotgun. Sorry, the shotgun, <laughs> um, and a little bit of blood. So he called his boss. Understandable. And his boss called a radio station. Weird. I don't know if that's true. I don't know I, if that's true either. Either way, the cops did get called, and they came out. The police, they came out. um, They arrived. They found that the door was locked. The door to the greenhouse was locked. Uh, So they broke one of the... It was, you know, like French doors. So it's all paneled glass. So they broke one of the windows next to the knob and unlocked it. It was one of those knob locks that you just twist the the Mm. little lock on the knob. There was no bolt or anything. So after you commit murder, you just... Twist just the twist lock and, and just pull, pull the door shut closed behind, behind you. you. Yeah. yeah, and that is another Locked important another important key to this whole thing is, mm. in fact, the door was that way, and it there you will also see that there was a stool you know wedged up against the door, but that's also not true. There's a stool sitting kind of in front of a door, a door, a door, not this door, a different door into the room. So again, important little details. The officer that responded also showed up with a paramedic because of course you would. Um, (laughs) And they reported a relatively small amount of blood, but the paramedic did say that it was 
clear that Cobain was dead, so they didn't try to do any kind of resuscitation or anything like that. Well, the guy shot half of his face off with a shotgun. Sounds like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know that is true. I mean, I've never seen a coroner's report, and I've never seen any pictures, so I don't know for 100% that half of his face was missing. But yeah, yeah it sounds like he was missing. Probably didn't look so good, yeah. because I know the Seattle PD still won't release any of those photographs. Specifically because they reason. don't think that anybody should see it. Yeah. Um. Cobain's wallet was sitting next to him and the officer pulled his ID out to identify him and they took a picture. So that's another clue is they said they couldn't identify him. Uh, They had to use his fingerprints to officially identify him, but they used his ID when they took a picture of the body to identify who the body was. His coat was on his left side. A brown paper bag with shotgun shells was by his left foot. A cigar box with all of his heroin paraphernalia and his wallet were on his right side, kind of a little further away from him, not just like right next to the body. And there were cigarette butts on the right side, kind of above his head. A root beer can on his left side by his head. And then in the dirt on his left side was a note stuck in the dirt with the red pin that had... Uh, In the the dirt in a flower In the dirt in in a flower. It's a flower bed, little flower bed next to him. Yeah, a little box. Yeah. So presumably with the pen that he had written the note in was stuck in the dirt yeah through the paper in the dirt we're going to talk about details in a minute but i want to finish the timeline in five hours (laughs) for some reason despite all odds the police declared his death an undeniable suicide at the scene and released cobain's body to love like within a couple days um she had him cremated shortly afterwards on april 10th there was a public memorial that was held for cobain uh which featured courtney love reading cobain's suicide note so she read the entire thing apparently Mm. she arrived later and gave away some of cobain's clothes so there's a really quick overview of the timeline of this whole thing (sighs) and i guess we have a few more things to (laughs) talk about before we talk about (laughs) theories i'm so sorry you guys say you like long episodes so (laughs) you know if you don't like the long episode just put us on pause and come back tomorrow did you pause it welcome back we're serialized yeah so Bullet points. While people close to Cobain differ greatly in opinion on whether it was a suicide or not, I do think they agree he was um, unhappy with his life. Yeah, you can tell you can tell that from his suicide note that he's there's a lot of self loathing in there. Yeah, and we'll talk about the suicide note in a minute. But he was happier once he had some health issues resolved, and with the birth of his daughter, he seemed to really, really love her. But in general, it's agreed that Cobain was not happy with being part of a huge band like nirvana fame was not he what did he did not wanted. want fame he wanted to just kind of be able to create there's actually a quote from courtney after they got married he canceled a couple tours and she said all he wanted to do was do drugs and like paint like that's all he wanted to do and that sounds very true to me in the interviews i've seen with cobain he just seemed like he was a guy who just wanted to create and he like hated for instance hated smells like teen spirit <laughs> hated it really? loved it yeah but of course he had to do it at, I mean, they had to do it every single performance because it was one of their biggest hits um no, no, it sounds to me like uh, there could be worse problems to have he could have had to sing Freebird at every concert that's true he could have luckily mm. he didn't write Freebird, so luckily yeah in that the other documentary one of the other many documentaries but the other big one um kurt and courtney kurt's 
aunt, who I f- frankly find to be one of the most credible character witnesses of this whole entire thing. Yeah, she knew um, him well. Yeah. She says that she has no doubt that he just hated the world that he was living in. She thought that um, he felt it was really fake and he hated it. I actually, I attribute her, his, his uh, aunt statements to it's Nicholas Broomfield. Is that the yeah, documentary? Mm-hmm. That guy, I recognized as soon as I started watching it, recognized the style. He's got a very distinct style and yeah. I've watched his other stuff before. Yeah. You have actually for this show even. Yeah. But he has a, a really good way of interviewing people, and he tends to draw out a lot of little bits of information that nobody else does. I mean, everybody's after the big, glamorous interview, and he's like, I'll talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And it usually is for the better for him because yeah. he gets information that most people wouldn't. So I personally, I, I attribute all of her information to his, uh, his absolutely. diligence. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause absolutely. you never hear about her anywhere no, else. No, you don't. And I think, I mean, you hear about his cousin who I think is full of crap. Um, and you hear about his parents a little bit, but not very much, but his aunt, they seem to be very close. And, um, I really think that she, has the most insight to what Cobain was really like. So there's that. Nirvana was probably breaking up either way because it sounded like Court really or Kurt, Kurt really didn't want to do it done. anymore. He was done. Um, That's too bad, you know. Yeah. Almost everyone close to this case says that they are scared of Courtney Love, which is fair. She's scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love were probably getting a divorce. And love was probably being written out of Cobain's will. I obviously, there's no way to corroborate that, but it sounds there's like... There's been statements. Statements from Rosemary Carroll, who's the, the lawyer, lawyer. Yeah. Who, again, she won't go on record to say this, but Tom Grant does have recordings of her saying this. So it sounds like uh, love was being written out of Cobain's will. I've seen reports that Cobain's credit card was being used after his death or huh? they were missing. And I don't, I haven't been able to find this information from anywhere but Tom Grant. So take it with a grain of salt. It also appears that Courtney canceled all of Cobain's cards, believing that it would cut him off and cause him to contact her. Again, that's all from Tom Grant. I don't know. Uh, there's no other way to corroborate it. Well, as you say, that's, that's not necessarily from Tom Grant as much as that's from Courtney Love. Because yeah. she's the one who said that she did it. Yeah, she said that she canceled them. I don't know... Whether she did or didn't. Yeah, so I don't know... Again, there's I can't corroborate it, but I thought I'd mention it. And then um, we talked about Callie a little bit. He was the only person that I was going to... He was apparently actually living in the house in Washington, in Seattle, uh, the entire time. Basically as a caretaker, live-in roommate kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, but like, Kurt was dead in the house for like three days four days before his body was discovered. So not in the main house. though. No, not in the main house. That's true. But he had to have been at the house at some point. Well, and Callie's gone on record as saying that he saw Kurt. He saw him. Yeah. Yeah. That he showed up once. I think the second. Yeah. He, he he said he came to visit, um, Callie and his girlfriend Mm -hmm. in bed. (laughs) So there you go. Okay. Awkward. But yeah, we're, you know, an hour in and done with the overview. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks, Devin. You're welcome. So theories. Yep. We're there finally. Uh, but yeah. After 10 hours. Yeah. It's going to keep getting longer. Uh, and I will just once again remind people that we're doing an overview of the case. Over if you Because there is more. so much. There are so many theories. There's so much information here. I like literally can't 
I don't have the physical capability. My voice is already starting to go. Okay, so let's, uh, basically, there's two theories, right? Because this is a Devin episode. Um, the two theories are he was murdered or it was suicide. Well, actually, it could have been an accident, too. Maybe he just bought a shotgun. He was... And he tripped and fell backwards with it? No, nah, he was actually, I think he was standing there, like, like looking down the barrel just to see if there were any obstructions in it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think and, that happened. I, don't, I doubt yeah, it, too. No, I don't but, think so. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about murder first. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. Um, we're just going to bullet point real quick here. Some of the things that people bring up. Why do people think it's murder? Uh, one of the questions people ask is why would a rich man kill himself? Well, that's a dumb question. Yeah. It happens. It happens a lot. Often. Yeah. Um, the divorce that he would rather kill himself than divorce. He actually said that in a note somewhere at some point. Was it a note or an interview? He said, actually, I think he said it in a note to Courtney in okay. Rome. Nirvana was breaking up. So, um, he was keeping people for money. He was, he was scared for of retaliation. Right. And, so like oh, somebody could have cur- killed him because they were, okay. He's going to cost him silly, a lot of Cause money. if you're going to kill uh, okay. him, then you're, he's going to, you're going to lose all that money, money anyway, anyway, but that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, there were no fingerprints on the shells slash gun slash pen slash insert thing here. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. We're oh, going to talk okay. about I was before I lost my yeah, mind. Yeah. Yeah. No. People say he wasn't, quote-unquote, he wasn't suicidal. There was a lot of heroin in his body, along with some other stuff. And people also say that the note wasn't a suicide note, or it was faked, um, and there's, like, a handwriting sample thing that we're going to talk about in a minute. Mm, So those are all the reasons people say it was murder. Uh, Next theory. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about some of these things in detail, but not all of them. So here we go. The gun. We talked about this a little bit already. A little bit, yeah. It is. It's the twenty gauge shotgun which Dylan bought for Kurt. The gun was a long barrel gun, but I don't think the barrel was so long that Cobain could have um, not reasonably pulled the trigger himself. I think it would have. He would have been able to totally do that. Yeah. I'm, it's got to be a really big me. gun to not be able to pull the trigger mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, that doesn't concern me. The issue, people. They have a few issues with the gun, and I, some of them might, yeah, okay. First of all, the shell casing, the Spence shell casing, was on the opposite side of Cobain's body from where it would have ejected from the gun. Mm-hmm. It was a semi-auto, yeah. so it is reasonable. It automatically that it ejects automatically the empty, yeah. the yeah. empty shell. Mm-hmm. And he was holding the gun upside down. He's holding it upside the, down. So the ejection port would have been on his right, right. but the casing was on his left. left. Yes. Yeah. That um, makes people suspicious. It makes yes. people suspicious. I guess I agree. I think it's reasonable to say that it could have bounced off his arm. Um, it could have bounced off his arm. It could have, if he'd been holding it like even at a little bit of an angle, it could have ejected somewhat upwards, bounced off the, because that was a fairly skinny little room that he was in. It I don't think have, it was that skinny. It, the, according to this, this, the diagram I saw, it didn't look that big. It's, it's not huge, it, but it's, it's not. I don't think it's big it enough. It couldn't have hit the uh, the wall on the opposite side and bounced back, Joe. That's yeah. way I don't think, too far. I think that's too far. You think so, really? No. It, well, it, Those it, things get flung out with a lot of force. They do, but they're also super light, and so they burn up their inertia quite quickly. Hmm. I mean, shotgun shells don't fly more than four or five feet at best on their own without a wind. Well, I've seen him fly further than that. But, well, but yeah. I'm I'm making a generality here. What I'm saying is that there's no way it could have hit the uh, the wall and bounced all traveled all the way back from where to where it originated and mm. then continued on. It, the room is too big for that to have happened. 
I yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, but there's other things too. Is he could have uh, maybe wasn't holding the gun upside down when he actually pulled the trigger. Maybe he was maybe he was holding it sort of flat against his body and it went up in the air. Uh, maybe he was standing up when he shot himself. He, well, I will and, I will agree with Joe. So I know that you're going to talk about a little bit of the how we know that the gun was upside down. Mm-hmm. But Joe makes a very good point of if he was standing upright and the gun was not upside down. And by upside down, I think we should explain this to folks. That means the trigger is pointing up in the air instead of down at the floor like you would normally hold a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he did have it so it wasn't at 180 degrees away from where it traditionally would be held, but say only 90 degrees, then the casing would go down to the floor and could ricochet anywhere. Or if he is sitting, if he had done that, or it could have standing. bounced off. Well, yeah, or that's if he's standing. standing. Or if he's sitting when he uses it, it can ricochet off his arm or his leg mm-hmm. to end up on the opposite side. Yeah, because... So it's completely plausible is the only thing I'm getting at. Yeah, because... By, it, there's he... a whole bunch of vectors that it could have taken. Yeah, if he had been reaching down, then his arm definitely would have been right in the way of the ejection mm-hmm. port. Yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. I guess, you know, for me, it's just a question of how fast does that happen and... You know, the the gun would have had to have been at a slight angle because for it to bounce off and then bounce over instead of bounce just right, like, back at the gun, you know, it wouldn't have ejected exactly right to bounce off his arm then. But I guess I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. It's interesting because uh, people say that this is proof that there was someone else in the room uh, because it had to have bounced off someone else. But I don't think that's true, particularly because it means that Cobain, he had a, what's called a death grip on the barrel in layman's terms in layman's terms yeah and uh, that happens surprisingly just moments after death <laughs> your hand just like freezes up it muscle spasm up. Yeah. yeah like right at death yeah basically yeah. right at death so there would have been no time for somebody to stage that so he, he was holding the gun and his hand was tight enough on the barrel that it they think that it didn't spin around that it was the position the gun was found in was where the position was when uh, Probably did not. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the thing that I always have problem with is people say, well, it means somebody else was in the room. But, well, no, it doesn't. I mean, he was holding the barrel in his mouth either way. Okay. No, I can play devil's advocate on that entirely. If somebody else is in the room and they are trying to get him and there's some kind of struggle and he grabs the gun and other said person somehow accidentally pulls the trigger and it goes off, that just means that his his hand was on the barrel. That's all it means. Yeah. That's it doesn't good. mean that there's no way somebody else couldn't have been there. No. Yeah. Somebody could have been there. I don't think there anybody I don't was. think there was. I don't think there was either. But Based yeah. on everything I've read, but I'm just saying it's entirely possible that there could have been a quote-unquote struggle for the weapon, mm-hmm. and it went off while he happened to be holding the barrel, and therefore, as this murder theory loves to point out, mm-hmm. everything was then staged. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. I guess I hadn't really thought of that. So I guess we're going to get into that. But if they were trying to murder him, then are people also saying that somebody else forced him to take three times as much heroin as he should have taken? Uh, yes, but we will get into that in just a oh. second. I want to. There right. is a couple more things about the gun that I want to talk about first, and then we're going to talk about drugs because this is a fun episode: drugs and guns and stuff like that. Makes for the best parties. It really does. Uh, the gun is 
I will mention, still in police custody. If you follow this case at all, you will know that just very recently, in fact, the Seattle Police Department released pictures of one of their officers holding the gun that Kurt Cobain died from a gunshot wound from, and they still have it. There, You will hear people say, oh, yeah, they released it into the custody of Courtney Love, and she melted it down to mm. hide evidence. That didn't happen. The police still have it. It's still in evidence. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I'm melting it down to hide evidence. I love that one. That's, yeah, me too. Yeah. Another issue with the gun is reportedly they didn't find fingerprints on the gun or shells, uh, which is, it happens, but also it's inaccurate information. What really happened is um, the report states, again, I looked at the actual police report, and it says that there are no prints of, quote, comparative value, which just means that they were all smudgy. They couldn't make any kind of match. Which makes sense because... They would be, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh... The real issue here, though, is that the, the gun wasn't even inspected for prints until, like, three years after. Like, literally, they didn't submit these fingerprint results for analyzation. Analyzation? Analysis. Analysis. Thank you. Until 1997, which is three years after Kurt Cobain. That's a failing on the part of the it's police department issue. based on their reasoning of the cause of death. Yeah. Evidently, they had this thing about not processing anything on suicides. They didn't even develop the film. Yeah, they, it was a cost savings. Yeah. Yeah. Really weird yeah. cost savings. Bad, but... bad practices all around. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but that's my issue with the fingerprints, not that they couldn't find anything, because, like, of course, like, fingerprints yeah. are mostly smudgy. It's rare that you find a good one. Okay, now we can talk about drugs. You want to talk about drugs? Drugs, yeah. So Cobain, uh, it was reported, had three times the lethal dose of heroin in his body when he died. And there's some debate, only around this case. This is the only time I've ever seen this debate, ever. But um, What the lethal dose is? What the le- well, if there's a ceiling or not for heroin. In this case, it's the only time I've ever seen anybody say, oh yeah, no, 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 the lethal dose is a lethal dose for heroin. People can take only a certain amount before they become incapacitated. Literally every other case I've ever heard with heroin, and we corroborated this with some experts, Mm -hmm. there is no ceiling for heroin. You can pretty much keep taking it. I mean, and you take increasing doses. You take like, increasing doses. So more and more. Over time, over time obviously. Tolerance. Yeah, you build up a tolerance. And once you have a high enough tolerance, I mean, you actually need more to feel the same high. And you do develop that tolerance. And you will still be totally capable of moving around and doing things where if somebody, like if I injected that amount of heroin, it would definitely kill me. Oh, yeah. But if I'd been doing heroin for 10 years in an increasing, in, incrementally increasing amount, I would probably you just it's you just don't hit a ceiling. Any drug, not any drug. Well, but a heroin, lot of drugs, opiates specifically. Mm-hmm. That is the case. And actually, there are interviews where Cobain says that um, he, at one point in his life, he was doing four hundred dollars worth of heroin a day. Wow, which is a lot of heroin. Holy crap! I think I, that's that's from the. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, no, I was going to say uh, Tom Grant, uh, the, the private investigator, he, he continually has made the point that, that he would have been totally incapacitated immediately. He like, would have, yeah, absolutely. He would have had you know, no, like, no time to you know, oh. check out the shotgun. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Tom Grant would have been yeah, incapacitated. He would have been. Cobain, I don't think he would have. No, no, um, he, long-time user. He 
had uh, 1.5 milligrams per liter of heroin was reported to be in his body. Um, and it's and I actually asked... It's important, though, for everybody to understand, he's injecting. Yeah, he's injecting. It's intervenous, mm-hmm. intravenous use. Yes. Intravenous. Intravenous. Thank you. Yeah. I still can't say that word. Um, yeah. And I actually checked, I checked with a fair... A couple of our experts, and they all agreed. They're all in medical professions. They all have seen cases of heavy heroin use, and they all agreed that it's totally reasonable to expect that somebody with a high tolerance would be totally capable of moving around and doing things with that amount of heroin in their body. And I should also mention that it's not like we're saying, oh, and then Cobain got up and ran a marathon. (laughs) We're talking about could he have rolled down his sleeve put his paraphernalia away and pull the trigger, right? Yeah, that wouldn't have taken much time. Um, like, yeah, you can crawl while you're doing that, right? It's small movements. Well, and that that would indicate the weirdo writing that is on the note that everybody it looks would, at. It would also help explain that, yeah. But y- you'll see in Soaked in Bleach, the team maintains that there was a study that was done, quote-unquote a study that was done, where there's a picture of a guy who's standing on one leg and, you know, doctors say, well, he took, um, you know, the equivalent of methadone tabs that Cobain had in his body. And look at, he's standing on one foot. He's totally fine. And the Soaked in Bleach team says, uh, but no, he, it's methadone, so it's less. And, and he it was it tabs. He took it as a pill. He didn't inject it. So that's not admissible. But I, I think anecdotal evidence from the health people that we talked to um who are all named stephanie Corey, and lisa um they all agreed absolutely yeah no question somebody with that amount of heroin in the body could totally and that's the that's the reason that i was asking earlier though about his um if we knew if he had used bef- during that week after the intervention, and mm-hmm. then if he had used just before he got to the rehab clinic, uh-huh. and we also don't know if he was using while he was oh, in Seattle before I'm he did that. Confident that sure you know uh, after uh, okay. April first, he was on a bender. I- I'm not disagreeing with that at all, but it does make you wonder because it's we've all seen those cases of where somebody who did something to excess took a certain amount of time off their tolerance dropped a little bit and then they went right back to their old ways and that's what put them in the ground but i I don't know that um yeah i know what you're talking about but i don't know how long you have to be off it before the tolerance goes away i I don't i I don't i don't think two days off of heroin well that's why i was wondering about the if he had stopped after the intervention forward Mm -hmm. and so then that would be a week week and a half-ish, which, again, I don't think is a whole lot, but your body does slowly heal itself from sure. the damage that you intentionally do to it. Yeah. he And he also had Valium in his bloodstream. He did. Dizepam? Yeah. Dizepam, Dizepam, which is, yeah. which is Valium. Yeah, same right? thing. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know where he got that. A Courtney loves prescription, probably. Yeah, the, well, she, I she don't took know. a Valium, remember? Yeah. Well, but I don't know if he got that from the clinic or if he got it from his drug dealer or where he got it. Yeah, I don't know either. But I think he probably got it from the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. Probably. Probably. Yeah. That'd be my guess, yeah. Probably. Yeah. You know, the other fun fact, uh, I guess not it's a fun, fun fact, but the other interesting fact mm. about uh, him is that if you notice, I don't know if either of you notice this in the photos, he's wearing a Tom Peterson watch. Is he? And you mean the, the death scene photos? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's Tom, you know, Tom oh, yeah, Peterson and Gloria, too. Tom Peterson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Aww. wearing a Tom Peterson watch. For anybody who doesn't know, Tom Peterson had a chain of stores in the Pacific Northwest. Furniture stores. And, yeah, they well, and he tried to get in electronics, but it's it's his head is always showed at these gigantic proportions. It's this weird black and white photo style. Really recognizable. That's a bummer. But it was, he had, when you see in one of the photos that they release, he's wearing a Tom Peterson watch. I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to go back and look. Yeah, if you want to see Tom Peterson, rent a drugstore cowboy. (laughs) Seriously, he's in drugstore cowboy. I know, he got into a couple of movies. And then he he also was in My Own Private Idaho. He's got a bit part as, I think, the chief of police. And I don't think he even says any words. He just stands there. But have you seen My Own Private Idaho? It's been a million years yeah yeah so just like the length of this episode exactly but if you watch but if you watch my own private idaho he plays the chief of police okay there you go all right that's tom peterson and gloria too (laughs) the other thing i want to talk about is the note and i really don't want to talk about it for very long but um the suicide note was addressed to cobain's imaginary friend bada did you guys watch kurt and courtney oh yeah. yeah yeah i like legitimately cried when his aunt played the recordings of him as like a two-year-old like talking to bada because that's so sad like i can't uh, imagine going through something like that i was uh i I didn't cry but i it it, it does make you feel just a twinge of sadness says here's this guy that's dead so young and here Mm -hmm. he is as a little kid Mm -hmm. with his whole life ahead and all that i'm just talking about bada his imaginary friend bada we're not going to read the letter. No. It's long and it's very easy to find. I just wanted to say that I do agree that the note looks odd, but I think there are a lot of ways to explain that. I will agree also that the bulk of the note sounds like Cobain was just writing to his fans. He used to do that. I don't know if either of you guys have ever seen this, but he used to write letters to the fan club, like literally write handwritten notes and then photocopy them and send them to all of the fans of Nirvana. I didn't know that. Um, And he would do like newsletters. He was running, I mean, he was basically running his own fan. He's making a zine. Yeah, kind of. I mean, not really a zine. It was literally just like notes, but he called them newsletters. And so that was the sort of thing he would do in the beginning. And I think he probably didn't do it as much. I don't know, um, frankly, if he did it in the, in the middle times, but to me, the bulk of the note, the main body of it, does sound like it reads exactly like the way he wrote to his fans. It sounds like he is writing to his fans saying, like, listen, Nirvana is no more, basically, or I'm not going to be in music anymore. Um, and then yeah, it's true that it's not really until the last couple lines I, that it sounds like, to me, a suicide note. It suddenly ch- changes in tone a it little bit. It definitely yeah. does. Yeah, it's just like this letter that sounds like he's writing to his fans, and then suddenly it's like, I love you, keep going. Um, You're better off without me. And it's in, in you know, world. different, slightly different looking handwriting, although it still looks letters. like it's his handwriting. But, you know, I've seen other things that, that Cobain wrote, mm-hmm. and it's very similar. You know, yeah. I see other ones where he's, he's, it's, you know, 90% kind of tiny, and then at the bottom it gets real big, and that's, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the heroin kicking in. Or, yeah, I have no idea. Or if it's just larger letters for emphasis. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Rosemary Carroll, who you'll remember is a lawyer. Uh, claims to have found a handwriting sample in a bag that Courtney Love left at her house. Um, what was she doing rooting around in the bag? She, like, left it there for weeks, apparently. So she, like, went through it. I don't know. Again, it's hard to tell. 
Um, but it looks like they could have traced. It's a practice sheet. It looks like a practice sheet. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's where you copy somebody else's letters and then practice writing them to look like it's in their handwriting. But frankly, that's what a practice sheet is. Yes. Whether this is or is not, that's what it's called. So that is what a practice sheet is. Yeah. And I don't, I've never seen a picture of this alleged practice sheet so i don't know i saw a picture of it somewhere soaked in bleach no, there's you a, saw there's a an image of it, of it in it, maybe that's in, okay oh is that what it is okay. i don't know i can't find it online anywhere it seems like that's the sort of thing that you would like post everywhere if well you if to tom, tom, grant. tom grant has it though yeah but he i don't know if he does actually or not. okay well I, I was under the impression that tom grant had it and if tom grant has it there is no way under God's green earth he's going to let that thing out on the internet because then he can't, be, you know, that's, this is his cash cow. Yeah, that's true. true. That. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But as far as uh, if Courtney was learning to imitate his writing, that could have been for other reasons other than forging a suicide note. Well, she forged some stuff in his name before. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily yeah, no, mean I, I agree with was that. a forgery. Um, and then I do want to point out that when Grant tells people that quote-unquote handwriting experts have said that the last bit looks different um what he really means is that the quality of the scan that he in his own words tricked love out of having is too low quality for anybody to be able to actually accurately analyze it he used a fax machine didn't he, he? did yeah, he told bad. courtney that he was gonna just look at it with his glasses on and then stole it from her, which is kind of shady in its own right. I agree. Either, both of them were not shady, but I don't blame him. I would have yeah, done I don't the same either. thing. Um, I'm sorry, but if you know, I, I don't, I don't call foul on that at all. No, I don't she really call foul either. I just very think it's like a little shady. But uh, like I said, both of them acting mm, not the best. But the copy that he has, which is the only copy that you know really exists right now, Courtney obviously isn't about to release the original. Anybody who looks at it can't actually analyze it. So, worth mentioning. Okay? Okay. But so if, Courtney does have the original, right? She reportedly, yeah. Well, she did, the, the police didn't take it? No, she got it mm, back. She has it, yeah. Because, mm. I mean, that's how Grant got a copy of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, if he was murdered, who did it? Well, obviously, like, Courtney would have ordered it, right? I think she would have overpowered him. That's the... Well, I mean, the, the theory is, is, like, Courtney paid somebody to kill kurt rather than doing it as a through the sheer force of her own will yeah yeah Yeah. well plus courtney was still in la right yeah so um here are some answers to who might have killed kurt cobain uh one is a guy by the name of alan wrench um (laughs) this theory you will probably know um more by a guy named el deuce duce <clears throat> was it El Duce or El Deuce? It's El Duce. El Duce. Which is a total gag. I mean, it's not his real name. No, but his it's real also name... a made up play on another word that is a hygiene product. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, this guy's band did some really weird stuff, and I know that that's where that. Yeah, name we're going to talk from, about his yeah, band. Yeah, this, this guy is super skeezy. So yeah, the way yeah. that we know about this guy, whose real name is Eldon Hoke was because this filmmaker we were talking about earlier, Nick Broomfield, who did the documentary Kurt and Courtney, he found this guy through, like, a really shady, weird... He was, like, talking to two dudes, one of whom refused to show his face on camera. Oh, Uh, yeah! And they were, like, 
gonna help him break into where Courtney was recording so they could get an yeah. interview and like it was really really kind of like weird stuff yeah they were paparazzi um, types yeah, yeah. yeah and then they said oh actually we know this guy who uh says that um Courtney offered to pay him money so like let's go down there and just see him offered to pay him money to kill to kill Cobain, Cobain yeah. yeah uh and his name was El Duce again not his real name. He was the lead singer of a band called The Mentors, and he was also uh, totally a drunk. Uh, when Broomfield interviewed him at his property in California, he was super drunk. Oh, he was so loaded. He was so loaded, in fact, that he offered to provide more information if they got him some more beer. <laughs> That's how drunk he was. <laughs> um, but he, like, nonchalantly mentions that Love offered him $50,000 to kill Cobain. Uh, he said he turned it down, but that his friend, quote, Alan, had done it. I've done some digging, and the guy that he's talking about is apparently a guy called Alan Wrench, which probably is not this guy's real name. I would, uh, who I used not. to play for a band called Road Whore, which basically didn't exist, or at least I literally can't find any bit of it online. Uh, either way, I've read a few things about this, mostly on Reddit, so take it with a grain of salt, please. Where somebody on Reddit claims to have been friends with both El Duce and Alan. And uh, this user claims that El Duce would never hurt anybody for money, but that Alan was a jerk and would totally kill somebody. Well, there we go. Concrete evidence. Well, okay, so actually the reason... It was Alan Wrench who was sent by Ikea because he was the wrong size for the piece of furniture that somebody bought. Well, so here's the thing. Nobody would give this guy even like a moment's thought, except for that two days after El Duce gave his interview interview to Broomfield, he ended up dead by getting hit by a train. Um, Looks like the Courtney Love killing machine strikes again. (laughs) That's kind of the the big question mark. His death was ruled accidental by police, and apparently El Duce did have a track record of people needing to babysit him when he was dumb, because when he was drunk, because he would do stupid things. But the train he was hit by was kind of near his house, so you know that makes sense. But in this Reddit thread, again, take it with a grain of salt. This guy says that El Duce was hanging out with a friend um, and other member of the Mentors Which is, by the way, their band. Yeah, the band uh, called Sicky Wife Beater which, really? (laughs) Great names. White Trash, all of them, I'm pretty sure. Just skeezy guy. Actually, White Trash, that's not fair to White Trash. Uh, Actually, did you you ever read any of the lyrics to some of their music? No, I did not because I didn't want to subject myself to it. Holy hell. No, it's terrible. Yeah. So, apparently, Alan shows up um, when El Duce is hanging out with Sicky Wife Beater, and and um, he was angry that El Duce had said um, some stuff on the movie. Uh, how he two days after two the days interview. after he gave an interview, how he found out that El Duce had like said those things. Who knows? Doesn't oh, really matter, dude. Th- th- that's easy. That's the grapevine. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Heard I have spent enough time with drunks and folks of that ilk that the grapevine people just sit around and they love to tell what the, what other people did. And I can just see that getting back to if this really happened. I'm not saying this is really happening, but I can see it very easily getting back to the guy lightning fast and he coming over the next day and confronting him. Yeah. So that's, I mean, the the story goes that Alan shows up. He's annoyed. They leave together, and then the to go next get beer. morning to continue the interview. Yeah, and the next morning, El Duce winds up uh, hit by a train. 
You know, I gotta tell you, I, uh, if I was gonna murder somebody, getting them run over by a train without myself getting run over too, it just seems like a tough way to do it. It seems like there's easier ways. Uh, Not if they're drunk. I was, yeah, well, I was gonna say no. Yeah, oh, the train track. Let's walk this way. Hey, come on, Drunky McGee. Um, look, there's Trainy McTrain face going by right now. Yeah. And shove. Oh, you're getting yeah. sleepy? This is a great place for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,. It's not nice. Um, I don't really believe it. Although I will say it is, I guess, like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it is a little weird a little, that two yeah. days after he said he totally knew who killed Kurt Cobain and made it look like an accident or a, or a suicide, uh, he shows up dead by a mysterious getting hit by train accident. That but is the internet's favorite kind of coincidence. It is, yeah. And it's one of mine, too, actually. It's actually pretty cool. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you, you would think that Alan Ranch would have gone and paid a visit to Nick Broomfield as cameraman, too. You would think, yeah. yeah Except Broom, he didn't know how to get a hold of him. Yeah. Well, could, uh, Broomfield maybe. was up and down the West Coast. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. So, um, one of the other people that could have done it, I guess, is the nanny Callie. Oh, we're on the, our next sister. Suspect. Yeah, I don't think Callie probably did it, but I guess there's something to be said of, like, maybe they were getting high together. I don't really... Uh, Okay, yeah, I was going to say this. Again, I was actually surprised that he is not as much of a suspect as he is. I, I really expected people to be like, I could totally see those two in the greenhouse using, and then something happening, and Callie being like... I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! Yeah. I mean, I can see yeah. this very easily being the case. Yeah, but I just—I mm-hmm. don't, don't know. I. I yeah, uh, yeah. I can't see it myself. I can't either. But well, I don't know anything about Callie. So. Well, I don't know anything about Callie either. But I—I I mean, I just know that I think Callie and uh, what was he? The guy who bought the Dylan. Mm-hmm. Both of them, I think. They lived off of the Cobain money for a long time after Kurt was gone yeah. through Courtney. Yeah. I mean, she supported them. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that if something happened and it was an accident, I could see him going, oh, God, I just did this. Oh, God, I am so screwed because I can't afford this much heroin and I have this great gig going on and I'm just going to walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't here. Yeah. So he totally. was. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So he was playing with the shotgun, and he blew Kurt's head off. And or they on. were screwing, or arguing, or whatever. I mean, because there is the the letter that was left on the stairs that uh, yeah. Grant, from Tom Callie. Grant, yeah. yeah, from Callie that mm-hmm. Tom Grant says was a forgery of some kind. There's all kinds of machinations about it, but the point is, he wrote a letter, and it wasn't all that positive to Kurt, and he could have done that. After the fact, going, I was there, let's do this thing to direct suspicion away from me. I guess I, the only... Again, I'm playing devil's game. Yeah, I'm yeah, playing no, both no. sides of the coin here. Totally, absolutely. I, but I think, like, the problem I have with that is that it was, it's totally reasonable for Callie to have found the body. You know? Like, if you, if that happened, you, like, wait a day, right? And then you call the cops and you say, oh my god, I just found my employer's body. That implies logical, rational, clean, sober thinking. thinking. You're right. That's true. When you are using a lot... We don't know that Callie was using it all. Uh, oh yeah, no, Callie yeah, was. No, was. was. Callie yeah. was totally uh, in in the on the team. Mm-hmm. How how is it that you hire a nanny for your daughter? Who's a, who's because a it's your friend, a friend who you want to help or of uh, uh, love, Courtney uh, loves. Yeah, friend, yeah, you want to help your friend, so 
you help your friend out and you just uh, say, no yeah. use it while you're watching the kid, your girlfriend can get high. But you, I mean, yeah. the, the, the people do this kind of weird stuff all the time. Yep. All right. So that's why I say that it's completely plausible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, here's just one more interesting thing before we start talking about maybe it was suicide. Courtney Love alleged that Kurt Cobain was having an affair. Specifically that he was having an affair with um, the bassist of Love's band, Hole, um, whose name was Kristen Pfaff. And at the very least, Pfaff and Cobain were very good friends. I don't know if they were having an affair or not, but um, I don't think we'll ever know. Uh, she, like almost everybody else in this entire story, had a pretty strong heroin addiction. Uh, mm. She had gone to detox in February of 1994, um, and she was reportedly clean, but took Cobain's death really, really hard, as you can imagine, a close friend or potentially lover, who knows, dies in kind of a brutal, violent way. Um, she quit whole and decided to move back to Minneapolis, where she was originally from. She was living in Seattle in the time. Well, that's where the grunge scene was. Yeah. Yeah. That's where yeah. the heroin that's was. Where, well, that's where Hole was. Yeah. Hole all lived together. Seattle is a hole. I, I mean, <laughs> that's where Hole was yeah. in Seattle. Yeah. On June 16th, 1994, however, she was found dead of a heroin overdose in her apartment in Seattle. So the Courtney Love killing machine strikes yeah. again. Well, I mean, the, a lot of people do think this death was pretty suspicious. Even Fast Family feels that her death wasn't a suicide or an accidental overdose. They think there was some foul play involved. And uh, yeah, every time I hear about some junkie turning up dead of an overdose, yeah. Yeah, she had reportedly been like successfully clean for those months. And again, you know, it's like she was in Seattle, she was with her friends, she was probably using again. Um, but well, again, one... that's the same thing that I talked about before, though, is that if you're off of it for a while and you're like, hey, I can take three cc's, no problem. Yeah, no, and it doesn't work. Mm. And yeah. then that's what puts you in the ground. I thought one website very eloquently put it that um, both Faf and Cobain were in the process of leaving love. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, that's very true. They were both leaving her and standing in her way of a lot of success and money basically um but that's you know just one one person's theory next up let's talk a little bit about uh this is theory number two this is theory number two suicide. theory header number two theory header number two suicide in this 18 hour episode mm -hmm. in an interview one of cobain's friends i gotta be honest i do not recall which one uh said that if courtney love didn't kill or have Cobain killed that she drove him to it and I think I don't really like Courtney Love very much it may yeah may not be coming across but I don't really like her very much I think that she wanted a lot of things that Cobain did not want I think she was really worried about the money in the relationship the fame in the relationship I think she wanted a lot of things and was trying to push him to do a lot of things that he didn't necessarily want to do. Sure. I mean, you know, case in point, she really did not approve of him, like, canceling Lollapalooza. Yeah. She really did That's not. a bunch of money there, It's huh? a lot of money. She really did not approve of him, like, not having Nirvana be a thing anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I think that she was very controlling. I, I mean, I've heard her refer to as a harpy before, which I will not disagree to a point seems to be an accurate description of her behavior at the time mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm not saying that's her or the drugs or what but you know what 
I mean, it's easy to, to point the finger after the fact. It's the same thing as, as the, he was suicidal in Rome. Yeah. It's easy to say after the fact, look at how controlling she was and all these things she did that drove him to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's turn the coin, which way you want. Well, I, I guess, you know, one of the things I'll point out is that, um, she hired a private detective to find Kurt. And then played games. And Well, she stayed in L.A. She knew Cobain was in Seattle, but she stayed in L.A. because she said she had business to take care of down there. If you really thought that your husband was, like, suicidal and, like, on a bender, if you knew in what city he was in, would you just be like, you know what, I'm just going to stay here, though. I'm not going to go up there and like, oh, yeah. see if I can find Again, him. Again, rational, sober thinking. But yeah. also, you know, she did hire a private detective. I mean, it's a certain amount of expense to go to to try she to did. track down your, your potentially suicidal husband. She did. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, it's flip of the coin either way. I, I think it's likely that she wanted a lot from her life that Cobain didn't. And it does sound like they were in the process of, they were at least in a rough patch. Oh, yeah. Did she try to get into movies? After she, she was in, she cleaned up. She did. Yeah, she, she did at least one movie. She did a couple. Yeah. I thought she did one or two movies after yeah. she cleaned up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she really was striving for that fame, music fortune. Hollywood fame model. So and it obviously, like, she had the aspirations yeah, for that. And it sounds like Cobain really did not like that. Oh at no, all. he he, he wanted to live a totally different life. Uh, and so, you know, uh, who can say what causes somebody to kill themselves? But I'm not saying that she helped the situation at all. But I'm not saying she's responsible either. But I'm also either. not saying he's she's responsible either, yeah. Cobain, so here are some, like, we're just kind of listing off, sorry, like, reasons that he might have killed himself. Cobain had been apparently trying to get clean for a while. He'd gone to rehab and detox a number of times, and it had never stuck. So it's possible that he just hit a point where he was like, this is never going to work. I'm going to live my life as an addict, and that's just dumb, and I don't want to do it. And I'm not saying that as, like, that's what I think people should be feeling. I think... I'm saying that as that's something that I've read from people talking about their interpretation of their, his thoughts. No, no, no. I mean like people who are actual in recovery saying I hit a point in my life where I thought this isn't worth living. I can't do this. I can't ever get clean and it's not worth living if I can't get clean and then trying to kill themselves and obviously being unsuccessful and eventually being successful in recovering. But that's a that's a fairly common thought with like very heavy addicts of certain things. Mm -hmm. I could see that you know you you realize the necessity to get clean, but you realize at the same time it's like your life as a non high person is like just kind of like hell. Well, it's that you know, or it's, 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 I mean, it's that or that you will never like if you've tried to get clean a number of times and it keeps not working, you may just think it's never going to happen. I'm always going to be addicted to heroin. I may as well just kill myself. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah, there's a, well, there's a, it's heroin's a not the only addiction that oh, people no, God, have no. that. I mean, addiction in general causes that reaction or yeah. that thought process. And then I guess another thing to bring up, um, I know I, you know, have been harping on the, he wasn't suicidal, he wasn't suicidal, they weren't suicide attempts. But you know what? Maybe he was. Maybe the, he uh, actually did try to kill himself in Rome. Maybe he actually did try to kill himself in his house in Seattle on March 18th, but they were trying to cover it up. Could be. Because he did have you a lot don't, of handlers. I mean, it's totally possible that he was suicidal and that at every turn, every attempt, there was just a PR push to say, no, 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 he's not suicidal. These are all accidents. Because you don't like who, what publicist in this world is like, yeah, it's totally fine to tell everybody that my client is suicidal and 
you know, like that's not that's yeah. not good. That's not, no, so it's it's certainly possible. The police report did say he said he wasn't suicidal, but like maybe he realized that it like you don't tell a police officer I'm suicidal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. They will take you to jail. They'll lock you up. They'll, They'll put take you, you under to a mental health place. Yeah, they will. Know? Yeah. Well, here's why I'm I'm sure Courtney Love did not murder him or have him murdered. And well, that, a, she didn't have the the hand strength. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't believe El Duce, who you know about the fifty thousand dollar offer or anything like that. And the thing about it is, is Courtney um, is the one who initiated the intervention to try to get him cleaned up. Yeah. And I got to tell you, if you're planning on murdering your husband, if you want him dead, why would you want to get him off heroin? Yeah. That'd be the last thing in the world you would do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, if I'd been, and she's obviously, she was a druggie. She had good connections. Street heroin is like, what, 50, 60% pure maybe at the most? And she probably, probably had the connections know. to get some really super pure stuff. Mm-hmm. She could just, and maybe that's why he had so much in his veins. Maybe she did try to kill him. Maybe she got some super pure stuff, swapped it in with his, and that's how he wound up with so much heroin in his system. But I think more likely he was planning on killing himself, and he thought he'd just go out on the floating on the greatest high ever. Yeah. Is what I think he did. Yeah. But to see that... My problem is if he intended to do himself in and he was going to get high ahead of time and it is very common knowledge that people can easily OD on heroin, then why bring the gun in? Why not just go, you know what, I'm just going to keep pushing the plunger down until... I don't wake up again. And I can I still move my hand and then I'm going to keep going. I mean, that, that well, just seems... Because it's not certain. And it's, it's, not, it's also not dramatic. I mean, do you... You know, he probably said to himself, do I, want to be, do I want to be known as this tormented artist who killed himself or as a junkie who screwed up and OD'd? What do I want to be known as? I Yeah. And actually, it's interesting. I, I don't think that there's any better. I don't think one is any better than the other, but that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a quote from one of his friends that says, you know, it was a really violent death. Like it's, the, which is true. I mean, you shoot mm-hmm. yourself in the face with a shotgun. Which men traditionally have death. commit but violent But it was suicide. interesting because in this quote, the, you know, his friend was saying um, that wasn't Kurt. It's weird. There was no violence in Kurt, and it's weird that he chose to go out that way, which I think is a fair thing to say. But I also, I mean, you pass out before you die from heroin. I mean, you just do, right? And so if you're trying to kill yourself, like, by ODing, there's, it's not certain that you're going to die. You might just wake up and be living in hell, right? As opposed to if you stick a shotgun in your mouth and pull the trigger, you're probably going to die. Pretty definitive. Especially if you've taken a bunch of heroin. I mean, it's just, it's certainty, you know? It's that backup plan. I, but I hear I you. Again, I, again, if, if I, I don't want to belabor this. It's just that I think if the guy wanted to get high before he did it, then why not just get so high that you go out and you don't have to lift a finger? He could have been close, (laughs) frankly. I mean, you know, we don't know what his tolerance was, so he could have been really close to being that high. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, but I, I do think that I, it's pretty definitive that he was not murdered. I well, mean, I, I think I can't. I think either way, I can see the arguments on both sides. That's that's my problem with this case. I that's why I didn't I throw up the red yeah. flag of why are we doing this? Is because I can see the arguments, whether I I am well, behind him or not. And I, no, guess, it's I think not, it's, it was. It, the, but the only person who had a motive to murder him was Courtney Love, as far as I know. Yeah. What about Dave Grohl? And no. Yeah, there you go. 
Courtney yeah. and Courtney again. Courtney would not have sent him to rehab if she wanted him dead. She, I mean, she would have. What she would have done is she would have waited till he was off somewhere in the greenhouse, getting you know, shooting up. She would have waited till he was kind of like just laying back and just all like, oh, and then he, she just would have stepped into the room with the, with the hypodermic and shot a whole bunch more heroin into his arm and killed him that way. There's no need to use a shotgun. She would have let him and, die in Rome. Yeah, she would have let him die in Rome, for that matter. I mean, it just—it simply makes no sense that Courtney was a murderer. Absolutely not. I'm, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. That, that implies rational thinking. Mm-hmm. I've known enough people who were so irrational that I just... I, they're hot and cold. Mm-hmm. I think, for me, the biggest thing about this case is that it was such a huge failure on the part of the Seattle police. Oh, yeah, they did screw They yeah. found the body declared the instantly it was a instantly suicide it was a suicide and they they claimed that because the beat cop that responded to the call said it kind of looked like a suicide yeah and that's like from the mouth of the guy who was the police chief at the time mm. he said well if the if the guy who responds says it looks like a suicide and the paramedics say yeah okay yeah then it's a suicide yeah. they didn't get a talk screen back they didn't get fingerprints back they didn't process the Oh, you no, know, they, the did, photos. they did the least amount of work. They did nothing. And that, I think, is probably why this is even a case right mm. now. I they didn't, they didn't yeah. know who he was. Well, I they did know I, who he I, was. I don't no, think, I, they, think uh... that, I think that when they made their decision of what it was, they didn't know who he was to realize that they had to do their due diligence before they got their asses handed to him. I guess the thing mm. that like annoys me about that statement is that like it shouldn't matter who he was. I that don't was, disagree with that at all. They found heroin paraphernalia like two feet away from him he obviously would have had track marks he yes okay so there was a shotgun you know on him and it looked like a suicide but you at least wait for a talk screen if you found drugs in the room you gotta wait for a talk screen before you you just can't declare it at the scene and i think for me that's the biggest frustration with this case whether you know i don't think courtney love is a particularly good human being whether i think you know anything the fact that the Seattle police did such a crap job on this is just frustrating as hell. Well, you know, I think the other reason that this has gone on so long is that there's been so many, there's been so many things that were thrown into the mix that really they're weird, and it's because it's I'm famous slash Hollywood slash big rocker guy weird, like the whole he had stomach issues thing. That which always... we're not sure even if he did. No, well, you know, yeah. what's funny is that I remember, I remember when the news came out on MTV News because I was at some trip, a high school trip with a bunch of friends, and it came out, and I remember one buddy turning, going, "You know that he's totally had stomach issues for years, and like he could barely." eat and move and i'm sure that that's totally what did it like those are the kind of things that you hear and that's stuck with me for decades you know what stomach uh, pains are a really good sign of a stomach problem withdraw that's a good point (laughs) but i think we're going on too long i think i think we've already solved the mystery he wasn't murdered he committed suicide yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true, too. I, yeah, it was suicide. I think there's a lot of hinky Seattle, stuff going on with the case, but... Well, the Seattle, the, Seattle, the, the Seattle PD did not do their due diligence. They really should have, you know, been a little more... I, you know, I'm sure they looked into it a bit, and then they went back to that police report. You know, he was locked in the bedroom and suicidal, and then Courtney says, oh, yeah, he tried to commit suicide in Italy, and, you know, and so that was probably for them all they needed. 
I don't so. think they even did that much, to be honest with you. I yeah, think. it might not be, uh, but uh, you know, I mean that's a, that's just the way it is. You know, with uh, you know those guys have you know I mean we all cut corners, right? True. Yeah. It yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, except with the podcast. Of course. Right. You know, no, not I mean, here. No. Yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. But everybody cuts corners, so they were just like you know, and then there's always this group think, and you just sort of get into that whole like. You know, oh, everybody thinks it's suicide. I guess it's suicide. So yeah, yeah. yeah but in this case, I think it was. I uh, yeah, I you know, I agree. I, yeah, everything seems to point that way. Yeah, yeah. it's just you know frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it just is frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, I've got more theories, but I need to go to the bathroom. So should we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah let's wrap this up yeah because yeah. um, our listeners probably have to go to the bathroom too probably yeah, really? they're like they're circling the block yeah. <laughs> their legs waiting, crossed. waiting to go to work uh you can oh. if you want to see some of the research we did we'll post some of those links not all of them we might post a couple extra links this week steve um maybe soaked in bleach and no not, not those um but you can find that on our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh, you can leave comments on this episode if you want. You can also stream us straight from the website um, if you so choose. I know we have just a few people who do that. Also on the website, there are links for like merch and donations and stuff like that. We've updated feel... the merch. Yeah, we've updated the merch. You can get stickers and stuff now, which is pretty Ooh. cool. Yeah, you... We sold like six of those yesterday, I think. <laughs> six whole stickers, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you want to buy merch, if you want to do a one-time donation through PayPal, or if you want to become one of our sustaining donors through Patreon, links um, are on the website for that as well. You are probably listening to us on iTunes. If you are, leave a comment and a rating if you haven't already. That's how people find us, and you make us rise through the ranks like nobody's business. Yeah, we want that. Yep. Don't If you have feedback, please, I mean, like if you want to have a conversation with us, don't do it there because we, we yeah. can't get in contact with you. If you're streaming and you can leave a comment and a rating, do that there as well. You can find us on Facebook. We have the group and the page. Like the page. Follow the group lots of really good stuff going on there we have a twitter which is thinking sideways which is fun most of the time uh, <laughs> um, we also have a subreddit which is thinking sideways our thinking sideways there's some stuff going on there a little bit the more that you join the more that we'll have happening you can email us if you have suggestions comments you want to talk about things you just want to express your undying love for us. <laughs> yeah we that like way, those. Or that, uh, joe loves those a lot he yeah. really does yeah, oh, yeah. that way no not website that email address it is an email address <laughs> it's an email address is thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com cool i think that's all of them that having all been said uh we're gonna get out of here we'll talk to you guys next week so bye. Ta-ta. What's that smell? Oh, oh, my teen spirit. <laughs> <laughs>